Hello, and welcome to the Writers of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. Today we have a very special guest back with us again, Mr. David Farland, and today we're going to be talking about writing in different formats, different genres, the whole gamut that a writer can and possibly should involve themselves in. So welcome back, David. Thank you. It's great to be here. So um, let's just get started on this thing, because we, when we finished our last interview, I said, would there be another subject that would be good that you'd like to talk about? And you said, actually, there is. So let's go ahead and just delve right into it. Sure. You know, when you tell a story, very often we think, okay, I'm, I'm going to write a novel. And, uh, and that's the way that I started as a novelist. I, I actually started writing short stories. And uh, I wrote a short story that sold and won the writers of the future. And mm-hmm. publisher asked me to turn it into a novel. And I said, sure, I can turn that. This first will be the first couple chapters of my novel, uh, this, this short story. Um, and so we're, we're actually moving it into a, um, a different platform completely. Now, when you write a novel, uh, recently I had a, I wrote that novel, and recently I had a, a, a video game publisher from Germany who came back and said, could we do a video game based on that, okay? And um, so they wanted to buy the video game rights, mm-hmm. and so we talked about it, and I said, sure, we can do a video game based on this. And, uh, and then, you know, there's another publisher who might come in and say, gosh, we would really like to make a movie about that. And so when you write a book, it may be, you may think of it as a book, but other people will look at it and see other possibilities. This is something that can be taken in a lot of different directions. A few years ago, um, I was writing screenplays and designing video games and writing novels. And, and uh, anyway, I talked to my wife and I said, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really a writer anymore. I'm not really a novelist. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, well, what are you? And I said, well, I think I'm an intellectual property developer. Um, you know, I worked as a movie producer at the time. And, and uh, she said, well, nobody would understand what a, an intellectual property developer is. Uh, that's just not a term that's mm-hmm. in common use. And I said, okay. And then a few months later, I met Michael Capabianco, who also does books and video games and stuff like that. And he gave me his card and it said intellectual property developer on it. <laughs> and I go, at least me and me and Mike understand what an intellectual property developer is. <laughs> it's someone who takes an idea for a story mm-hmm. and figures out how to put it into various mediums. Now, the value of this is that when you have an intellectual property and you just put it out in books, you're probably only going to reach a few people, maybe hundreds of thousands. If the book does really good, you might hit millions. But let's say that you take that same idea for a novel and you turn it into a video game. A video game that makes it big, something like World of Warcraft, may have as many as 70 to 90 million people who play the game. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, your little IP that uh, was a novel that didn't do too well is going gangbusters because the video game players or want to read it and find out the secrets on how to play this video game better. Or if you get that uh, novel turned into a motion picture, suddenly the motion picture uh, producers have to figure out how to advertise that new movie that's coming out. And on certain movies, things like Lord of the Rings, 
they've been known to spend 180 or 200 million dollars advertising a motion picture. That's a kind of advertising budget you'll never see for a book. Not and even a hundredth of that. Not even a hundredth of that, <laughs> yes. Um, and so what it comes, excuse me, what it comes down to is that if you want your book to go really big, you make it into a motion picture or, or a TV series. And suddenly you'll find yourself um, uh, going huge. You know, you'll be, you'll probably end up being the number one best-selling uh, author in your genre just off of the basis of a movie. And it doesn't even have to be a good movie. It could be a badly made movie of, uh, of your work. And, uh, and you might even be embarrassed that how badly the writers and producers uh, who made the movie messed things up. But, uh, but that big advertising boost that you get uh, helps increase your platform. And that's mm -hmm. what you're after. You want to make sure that, that it goes wide. And so looking at your screenplay and thinking what else could it be uh, is really valuable. I had somebody who suggested once that I take my Rune Lords and uh, make it into a rock opera. And I'm thinking, that's a brilliant idea. Okay. All I need to do is get an orchestra and uh, a songwriter and uh, sit down and, uh, and turn this book into uh, something else, a slightly different uh, variation of it. It'd um, be amazing seeing that. But that, but, a... but that could be done. Or maybe uh, someone will come to you and say, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's turn this play in, or let's turn this, uh, this book into a play. Um, and I've seen that done a couple of times. Um, it also seems too now with Netflix yeah. and so many of these other um, companies needing IPs yeah. to, uh, to work with to, to fill up all their yeah, right, editing base. Right, right now, uh, the television companies are i've got a uh, i've got a book series that we're having some meetings this week um to see about selling it as a tv series uh in europe and uh you know um the last time we checked i had 26 different distributors in europe who said yes we want to uh, we want to we want this tv series and uh and all of them are clamoring for that kind of thing right now mm -hmm. so that's an even bigger uh market than movies are as far as creating something, because it's usually a little bit easier to do a TV series than it is a movie. That makes sense. Now, how would one take themselves, okay, so I'm an author, I got a book, I got a short story. What does one do to take to the next level like you're discussing here? Okay, well, this is really, this is a great question because when you've got a book, let's say you've, you've got a property and you've got it in one format, you have to learn how to write in another format. Uh, if you're uh, doing video games, it can be very much like writing a screenplay, but you've got to think like a game designer uh, on uh, how, the, how the player is going to be playing this game, uh, what the options are, uh, etc. And so um, you write a description of the story and turn it into a, a video game format. And uh, there's nothing that's really well established in the video game industry that says you've got to do it this way, mm -hmm. okay? In novels, they'll tell you what font they want it in and uh, where to have your paragraph breaks and things like that. In screenplays, it's even uh, more anally retentive uh, as far as, oh, you've got to have it in proper screenplay format, which changes every two years anyway. Um, so 
you have to be able to learn to write in different formats. Right. And uh, that's kind of a tricky thing to do. Novelists typically aren't very good at writing screenplays, for example, because they're used to trying to engage all five of the senses in their novels, and all of a sudden they have to just go to sight and sound in writing a screenplay. And so it's a different art form, um, but it's not unlearnable. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a great screenwriter can usually become a great novelist and vice versa. Uh, I just don't see that there's any limits. But I think what you have to do as an artist is to keep yourself open to learning in a different format and also recognize that uh, you have to approach it with some humility and say, yes, I'm just a beginner all over mm -hmm. as I step into this new format. That makes sense. Now, I've got myself a book, and I want to pursue... A TV show with it. I think this is awesome. Uh huh. Do I shop it myself? Do I find an agent? Do I go to Google, I Google agents or uh, who's going to buy my story? There's there's a couple of ways that you can go. Um, one thing that you can do is that you can uh, you can Google agents, and agents are typically the ones, and these are going to be Hollywood agents, not your, not your New York agents. New York agents typically know New York publishing, and they may have a consultant on their staff or something like that who understands Hollywood, um, but they aren't really very good typically at uh, turning books into movies. Mm -hmm. So I typically would say that's one way to go. Another way is to contact producers directly. Now, producers don't like to be contacted directly, okay? You can send emails to them all day long and you may not get anywhere. But if you were to take a manuscript and you were to send it to 250 producers, I have a friend who did this. He, went, he had a, a book that was going to be published. He printed up 250 manuscripts. Um, and I can't remember at the time uh, he spent a couple thousand dollars. He sent them out. He ended up getting four producers who wanted to make the movie based upon his book. And uh, one of them ended up paying him $250,000 for the rights to make it. So it, it ended up actually being worth it. But man, it was a big headache to try to, to get the producers because the producers uh, very often are afraid to, talk, to read books. They're afraid that if they do, they might get sued for stealing the ideas of the novelist. And so there's a lot of them who just say, no, I don't do that. And besides that, most of them just don't have time to read novels. I worked as a movie producer at one time and I had three cell phones. And I remember the, the feeling of dread that I had when all three would ring at once and I was trying to figure out which phones to be talking on right now. And then you want me to read a book on top of that? You know, it's just yeah. not going to happen. So um, so what should I do then if I got this story I want to be able to... Well, there's a couple of things that you yeah. can do. You know, and I told you not to be afraid of, of writing in new mediums. Go out and become a movie producer yourself. Uh, most people wouldn't think about that, okay? But a movie producer is somebody who will go to a studios and, uh, and interest them in the property and will then line up the funding and the talent in order to make the movie. And so um, you can do most of that yourself. You would, you would probably hire a line producer. Um, you would uh, 
start working with a line producer. You you nail down who the talent is, who who's going to be starring in your movie, who are going to be the co-stars. But eventually, it's running a small business enterprise, which just is, sucks up your time. When you make a movie, you have to make the movie. And then you have to figure out how you're going to sell the rights to that movie in various mediums in different countries around the world. And typically, if you make a movie, you spend the next seven years uh, just trying to liquidate the rights on the movie while you're making other movies. So movie producers have a big job. And, and I think most of the time, authors aren't going to want to try to get involved into it in that depth. But, that makes sense. But there's, great, uh, but there's great money in doing that. And being a writer-producer has, has some real benefits to it. Okay, but if a person wants to stay in his writing and just be able to diversify yeah. with his writing uh, go, skills. Go to, go to agents. And then the other thing that you can do, you can write the screenplay yourself and, uh, and get some notoriety as a screenwriter by entering writing contests. So you can take your book and you can adapt it to the screen and uh, possibly get some notoriety that way. Um, and, uh, and then just once you've got that, that screenplay, you can float it around. There are, for example, uh, science fiction and fantasy writing moving, uh, contests, mm-hmm. uh, movie writing contests. And, uh, and so you can go through and uh, enter one of those contests, and you will have usually filmmakers who uh, are working in those genres who are judging the thing. And you might not win the contest, you might only come in second, but the filmmaker who loved your story and was voting for it for first place is probably going to contact you and say, hey, let's make a movie. Right. You know? uh, so that's one way to get the thing actually read and get it in front of uh, real people. Okay, so let's take it back now to yeah. David Farland. So yeah. started off short story, went to novels. Mm-hmm. So. How do you handle and manage yourself? Because you live at home in in St. George, Utah, and um, have your fingers in multiple pies, mm-hmm. but you manage it all from. It's not a major metropolis, yeah. You know, crossroads of the world location. Well, I've got this. I've got this secret weapon. I call it the internet, uh, <laughs> and and I do an awful lot of. You know, I get up in the morning and I answer my email, and I go to bed at night and I answer my email, and so I'm in contact with people in Germany and China and. Uh, England and here in the U.S. and I'm talking to filmmakers and I'm talking to um, uh, to editors and agents mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And most of my business is handled that way. If there's something urgent, I just call them on the phone. Um, uh, obviously, I can't be everywhere. Um, right. I do make I do make trips if I've got a business trip. Uh, uh, if, if I've got to be somewhere, you know, I'll I'll go ahead and fly to fly to England or Germany or or China or something like that if I need to but uh, I try I try to handle everything as much as I can from a distance so that I'm not wasting my time you know flying all over the place Um, and there's really gosh I don't know there's really no secret to it it's just like running any other big business I think the the hard part is recognizing that you're human and that you you can't have a hundred hours in a day, you know. Um, I I tend to get up at uh, at about five in the morning and I typically work until, 
you know, six at night, and then I go out and do some exercise, and then I go back and work some more. Um, but uh, but I've found that, gosh, about 14 hours a day is pretty much my max. That's when I'm ready for bed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think when I was younger, um, I used to push it a lot more than that. When I was, you know, when I was 20, I, I remember thinking that, you know, gosh, there's no reason I can't go on three hours of sleep a day. And, and I would do that for months at a time. Uh, so I, I don't Not do that anymore. anymore. Not anymore. I'm an old man now. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly, but I'm, yeah. I'm tracking with you on that. Now, one last thing I wanted to just discuss is uh, rights. So, you know, there's various horror stories that one might hear over the years about, okay, you write your story, and then all of a sudden you're told, well, you need to have all these rights Mm -hmm. turned over and sign away all your rights. How's that work? Well, this is a a good question because it's a a tricky thing. Um, If you're you're in the business of being a writer and creating stories – your business is selling rights, okay? So when you sell a book to a publisher, you're selling them the right to publish that book. If you're selling the book in audiobook, then the publisher is buying the right to make the audiobooks. If you're selling it in England, they're buying the right to publish it in England. And so you have to manage each of those rights individually. And there are um, what I call Hollywood gotchas, where uh, a lot of standard contracts uh, in Hollywood will uh, offer you a very small amount of money, and then there's language hidden in them that basically is intended to steal your rights so that they get the rights to your project forever. Okay? Um, And then just to give you an example, uh, one way that they can do that is it'll say that if they make a movie based upon your screen or upon your, your book, and they make a movie, then uh, they get the rights for the next 17 years to, to make another movie or sequels. Well, a couple of times there have been filmmakers who've gone out with a little cheap camera, shot a movie in a weekend, uh, didn't pay any stud actors or anything like that. It's a really crummy little homemade movie version of it. But then they use that to hold your rights in perpetuity. And so that's just one way to steal it. There's others. But uh, you have to be aware of what those gotchas are. And there are gotchas in the publishing industry, too, uh, for books. You know, there are books that don't have reversion clauses or which say we're going to keep, uh, we can keep the electronic rights to publishing. Um, So far, the Supreme Court, to my knowledge, has not uh, not ruled on whether... uh, electronic books are even publishing. The definition of publishing is to take a, make a printed book out of your work. It's not to, to put it in a digital format and let it float around on the internet forever. So um, there's gonna be some legal precedents that will be set in the next few years, probably. And then we'll decide what electronic publishing really is. But so far, um, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like the way it's handled by some of these companies. Okay. So um, any last uh, word or any last uh, tip for the writer or the artist uh, from your perspective on uh, this, this subject here? I think that uh, you as an artist, you know, when you, uh, when you jump into a new medium and you're going to be working in that medium, you have to be aware that you are building a name and reputation for yourself in that new medium. 
And I just happened to get a little job um, uh, doing video games. My very first video game was StarCraft Brood War. And that went out and became like the, at the t- at one time, it was the number three best-selling video game of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's still used today in the final rounds of the world championship of the video game playing competitions uh, down in Korea and in China and Japan. And so uh, I, I kind of jumped into this new industry and, you know, became a giant in, in a matter of moments. Um, whereas with screenwriting, yeah, I've written a few screenplays, but haven't had anything produced yet. So it's going to take me um, another hundred years or something to build a <laughs> reputation, <laughs> you know. But I think you have to you have to approach it and say, yeah, um, I'm I'm well known as a novelist, but I'm I maybe I'm just taking baby steps when it comes to this new medium, and you can't wear yourself too thin. I think that you know you have to realize that. Uh, you have to decide which career path you want to pursue. And it's exciting, for example, to write screenplays. I just finished one up a couple of weeks ago, and I would love to see it be made into a TV series. But the truth is that um, it seems like for, you know, in, in Hollywood, you know, you don't get three strikes and you're out. You know, you have to take 100 swings before you hit a, a home run. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I, I might never break into that. So I look at it from an economic standpoint and say, okay, I write this screenplay, but now I'm going to go back and work on my novels for the next three months. And I'm not going to let anything uh, detour me. I'm just going to keep working on those for a bit. What really, what's, what's paying your bills? Mm-hmm. You know, writing screenplays isn't paying my bills. It's a lot of fun, but uh, but I'll go ahead and, and work on my novels for right now. Great. Well, thank you very much, David. Okay. And thank you very much for listening to this Writers of the Future podcast. Writers of the Future podcast has been created to provide that helping hand for the aspiring writer and artist to have their creative efforts seen and acknowledged. This podcast is available wherever you find podcasts. Please subscribe and tell your friends as well. We've got a lot of great shows. Thank you very much. Great.